it's really one of the biggest, you know, burdens that millennials have to face right now. And in kind of an unprecedented way, right? Like we, um, 1.7 trillion in debt, you know, 45 million Americans. And um, even for me, it delayed my life choices of like mm -hmm. buying a home, you know, um, starting a family. And I think it's the same story for a lot of millennials where they end up delaying yeah. all of these big life decisions because of their student loans. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Wait Hold Up, a podcast where we talk to homegirls, experts, and others to help us live our most authentic lives. I'm Jessica. And I'm Yarel. And like always, we love that you're joining us. We're here once again with a fabulous episode, very informative and much needed in our community right now, Jess. So I'm super excited for this conversation because I actually had a lot of fun talking about something that I think is going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. Yeah, we laughed a lot talking about student debt, which <laughs> was not what we were expecting. But I mean, that's in no way meant to trivialize the fact that so many people are in debt and it is a right. burden that I'm sure so many people go to bed thinking about at night, waking up, uh, up in the morning. But I think that like everything in life, once you gain some power and some understanding and it automatically feels manageable. And Absolutely. so we wanted to bring a conversation to you all where it's like, okay, let's talk about something that most people don't like to talk about that many people feel ashamed over that, you know, is so overwhelming, but let's like break it down in a way that it's like, you can breathe again, y'all, because right. it's going to be okay. Right. I mean, and, and take it from me, I'm still in in debt for for my students for my student loans i was in crazy debt for a really long time until i what just was kind the of amount that you were in debt in debt for i mean when i graduated from undergrad i was at about twenty thousand. and mind you i graduated early from college and i did get most of my tuition paid for by the school but i was studying out of state and i was studying at a school that was private and super expensive so I kind of had to just in, in terms mm. of like my living expenses I mean I even remember I was on like the meal programs of like two meals a day just to limit the amount of wow. money that I was going to take in but it wasn't until graduate school that I was I had to take out more money um, and it wasn't that much I would say that by the time I, I finished grad school I was about at about 30,000 but you forget that there's interest on this money and the interest is not like 0.4, it's like fucking 7%, 8%. So what you end up paying is all that money that is accumulated mm -hmm. after you've graduated, you know? Mm. So, I mean, for me, this is such a, such a dear subject because I've been dealing with it for so many years now. And I feel like we just don't know a lot. And what, how are we going to change things and adapt things that are, are happening in, in, in terms of paying, for example, paying loans back when we just don't get it, you know, when we just don't understand it, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, it feels like there's an entire community that gets victimized um, with student loans in particular. Um, and I think that, you know, this conversation that we had today with Tanya Menendez of um, Snowball Wealth, I think it's 
so great because Tanya comes from a perspective of like understanding what it's like to be blue collar, understanding what it's like mm-hmm. to enter into this world or enter into the college world and be like, I took out this money and I don't necessarily understand what that means and what the implications mm-hmm. are. And so she co-founded a platform that now is helping other women manage um, their own debt, particularly at this moment, student loan debt. So, you know, today we have Tanya Menendez, who is the co-founder and CEO of Snowball Wealth, a platform that provides a free student loan plan and helps users save an average of up to 6K. So dope. She's been included in the Forbes 30 Under 30 list and People in Español's Most Powerful Latinas uh, so she's obviously, yeah, obviously she's a badass. doing the damn thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, and she just brought so much, um, just like, just so much relief, I think, to this mm-hmm. idea of like, it, don't be afraid of like the fact that you're in debt. Like yeah. at least recognize that there's, there are resources that you can take and there are things that you can do. And starting at Snowball Wealth is like a great place to begin. Right. And just like you say, like we're not trying to, uh, she, she also, you know, came in with like so much lightness when it came to this topic and like explanations that made complete sense. Uh, and, and going back to what you said, like we're not trying to make this, you know, a, a, it's not a funny episode. It's just that her energy was uh, palpable in the sense that it's like, yeah, um, even though it's such a serious subject and like for me that I'm still paying loans that I know so many friends that are in crazy debt that like I'm sure you as well, Jess, when, when you're talking about friends and, and co-workers and whatnot, um, it's nice to hear it in a, ve- in a very easy way and like put into into words where we can understand and it becomes like, oh, all right, yeah, that's what it is and that's what mm. I could do and that's how we should change these conversations. So yeah, so yeah, super excited. So literally, if you're in debt or know someone who is, which is just about all of us, this conversation is for you. So I hope you all enjoy it. Tanya Menendez, welcome to the show. We're super, super excited to have you on. As everyone knows, you are the co-founder and CEO of Snowball Wealth helping people understand and pay off student debt, which is like what everyone needs to hear right now. Um, Absolutely. I I think that's all people care about is like, how do I get myself out of debt, particularly when it comes to our school and like college and other higher education? Um, So we're super happy to have you on the show discussing this really important topic. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Tanya, for for uh, being on the podcast. I feel like there's so much also that our community is in search of, you know, and in need of right now when it comes to information and and paying debt and school loans. Um, but let's kick it off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and also why and how you started Snowball Snowball Wealth. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Tanya. I'm one of the co-founders of Snowball Wealth. Um, I started Snowball because I to solve a problem that I experienced personally. I thought that the financial services industry was super complex and it didn't really need to be. Um, And it was really difficult to understand the steps that you needed to take in order to build wealth. And, um, you know, I'm come from a family with like humble backgrounds. My dad was a factory worker and my mom was a secretary when I was growing up. And, you know, they also figured things out along the way um, and, I think that um, what I learned in my own financial journey was that 
you know, it takes a ton of research, like hours and hours of research just to know what the right thing to do is. And I wanted to create a platform that made it really easy to understand what it is that you need to do and um, give you resources in order to help you, you know, actually take those actions. And so, um, you know, our mission is to help people make financial progress. And right now our platform currently gives you a free student loan plan. And um, as a part of that, we also created a community um, where women can connect um, with others looking to pay off debt and start investing. Um, but yeah, it really started off because I think that finance is just super confusing, paying off debt. I, you know, I personally was in, you know, credit card debt when I was a teenager and it was the most stressful time of my life. And, um, you know, being able to save enough money to quit my job, to start my first business was one of the most like liberating things that I could have done. And I wanted that feeling for, you know, thousands and thousands of other people and millennials. I think, you know, what's really interesting is that what you said about it takes so much time just to get one simple answer. And I do feel like this past year for me in, in quarantine has been like my time of saying, okay, I want to start to try to understand this, right? Like what does 401k mean? And what does it mean that my company matches some things? Or, okay, now I'm looking at the stock market and I, I know I have stock options through my company. So like, let me actually go and maybe there are other stocks I'm interested in and let me figure out what that means. But then you go to these sites and it's like, there's a call, there's a, there's a market, there's limit, there's all these like things that you're like, what the hell is this? And then I would go to marketwatch.com or I'd read CNBC and it's as if everyone is speaking in this coded language meant to keep us out. Exactly. Yes. And that's exactly how I felt too. And even, you know, my first job out of college was in finance and, um, I still had to make a big effort to like get mentors. Like I had to start asking people like, Hey, what should I do with my 401k? And I just had started to just ask a ton of people about it. And it just took so much work just to get simple answers. And even then I was still left with the feeling of like, maybe I should do more research to see if this is really right. And so mm. we really wanted to create a platform that made it really easy and simple and gave you like accurate information and wasn't trying to sell you, you know, life insurance or something like that, <laughs> um, or try to get you to do some type of pyramid scheme. Like we wanted to create a really transparent financial services company and um, it's not, not financial, like a FinTech company um, because we're, um, we're a tech platform, not, you know, a bank, but um but yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of people share in that frustration and we started off with student debt because um, it's really one of the biggest, you know, burdens that millennials have to face right now and in kind of an unprecedented way, right? Like we, um, 1.7 trillion in debt, you know, 45 million Americans. And um, even for me, it delayed my life choices of like mm -hmm. buying a home, you know, um, starting a family. And I think it's the same story for a lot of millennials where they end up delaying yeah. all of these big life decisions because of their student loans. Right. You mentioned, you mentioned a few things that like, I think just resonated with me and in my story. Uh, first of all, I found, I saw uh, Snowball on, you know, I found it on Instagram and you guys actually helped me also maneuver some of my uh, student debt with like 
uh, the program that you had, I was able to speak to someone and like, they were able to tell me how and what, you know, where was my money going interest. And I think that's so fascinating when it comes to talking about finance, because we never learn it. Right. Like, I don't remember taking a class in high school about Mm -mm. credit, about credit score, about your 401k, about stocks, about debt, None of this, like, that I would have been better I, than I, geometry. I, yeah. Like, yeah, that would have exactly. been better than than <laughs> P than PEM does, and then you know so all these other classes that I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you're going to get into that field and and study that in college, it relates. But I have not used any of that um, in real life. And then, I mean, it's I think it's so important what you say that sometimes debt and money, you know, delays other things and other plans for us because because we, we can't afford or because we, we can't sure. even think I had to take out a lot of, of student loans when I went to undergrad, even though I got merit scholarships and like grants and working studies, pro, work study program, I still had to take a lot of money because I went to school away from home out mm-hmm. of state to a private institution. And I didn't want to ask my money, my parents for money. Mind you, they didn't mm-hmm. have $20,000 yeah. to just be like, here, let me pay, <laughs> let me help you pay for college. Um, and I think, I mean, that's, that's my own personal experience, right? I'm still paying my student loans, even mm. though now I'm, mis- I'm putting in more money. I still yeah. have debt because I went to graduate school. And yeah. I think, you know, you mentioned the case for, for so many people. And if I'm not mistaken, student debt right now is like the highest form of uh, people being in debt in this country. Yeah. It's higher than like your home, than your car. Um, and that just like is in insane, you know? So, you know, I, again, I had to take out a lot of money for, for uh, loans. And now that I see my accounts, I'm just like, all right, I'm just sending you $50 Navient or Sally Mae, yeah. whoever's taking on my money. Shit. Um, but I'm almost done. I'm almost done paying okay. everything off. Yay. Um, so, I mean, you know, and also that, I think that's so important because when I was in high school, it was kind of like, you know, you want to go to college, you mm-hmm. want to get a good education, you want to go to a good school and you kind of just sign anything, right? Yeah. You're just like, oh, okay, $10,000 here. Okay, great. You mm-hmm. don't even see the fine print. You don't understand how it's going to work when you're out of college, when you don't have a job. Um, So, you know, I would love for you to share with us as well your experience, Tanya, like why was debt, was student debt in particular such a resonating arena for you? And what was it like for you and your family? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I definitely delayed my own life choices. And I, student debt was just always in the back of my mind. I, when I went to college, I graduated in three years because I didn't want to take on you know, more debt. Oh, me too. And I, yeah. I really wish I had spent that last year, you know, taking on more internships, just spending time learning. Going and to study abroad. Yes. Oh my gosh. I me. didn't study abroad. Yeah. That's exactly what happened to me. I didn't study abroad because of student loans. You know, I ended up taking a job at Goldman to pay off my student loans. I wow. wanted to work at a nonprofit. Um, and so student loans has always been this like pain that I've like in the bag, like that I've been having to deal with. And then, um, you know, I was able to save up enough money to quit my job and start a company when I was in my 20s. And um, like, I think I was like 22 or something like that when I did it. Wow. And um, so, I, so I ended up deferring my student loans and just ignoring them. And then later on, once I had raised money and like companies, like, you know, were doing, my company was doing well, I was able to start paying it off. But then I realized 
that I ended up paying double what I actually took out. And it was because I yeah. kept delaying it. I didn't really, you know, pay attention to it. And I think that's really common where like, you just pay the minimum payment. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to think about it. It's already stressed me out enough in my life. And you're, you know, if you don't take a more proactive approach, it can really, you know, delay other kind of financial goals that you have. And um, so it was something that just felt like, I was like, oh my gosh, I overpaid all of this money. I had no idea I could refinance. Um, and, um, and then it really like affected a ton of my decisions that I really wish I hadn't let it interfere mm. in the past. Um, so, so that was my experience. And, um, and yeah, and I think that, you know, looking at the data that, you know, on average, people have 30,000 in student loans. Um, and that's growing because of the cost of education. Mm. Um, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I'm very fortunate because. I didn't have to take out any loans. I also got a merit scholarship and then whatever wasn't covered with the scholarship, my parents were able to pay, but I also like intentionally went to an in-state school um, in order to offset. I know friends who like went, you know, I, I went to school in Jersey. I know friends who went to Boston and Pennsylvania and it like doubled the cost of tuition. And because I chose to go in-state that also kept the amount down. and. It's interesting because when you're graduating, goes back to what you were saying, Yadel, when you're graduating high school and then you're like thinking of where to go, the last thing you're really thinking about is money. And for some reason, I did think about the money and my sister had also gone to Rutgers, which is where I ended up going. So I was like, okay, like I'm getting money from them. I'm just going to go. And I thought about the money, but I never, I, I, I don't think I thought about the long lasting implications of the money. I just remembered the idea of like, oh, that's a lot of money. And like not wanting to then go to like anywhere else. And it has allowed me to make a lot of, take a lot of more, like a lot more risky decisions with my career and allowed me because I'm in a, a creative career. And so it's allowed me to take longer to get to a place where I am making better money and have better health insurance and all of those things because I knew at the very least I didn't have a 600 or a thousand dollar payment I needed to pay every single month and so that like freed me up so much and when I do speak to my friends I know so many people who are just in debt and it's like it weighs them down for people who are in this pro like this never-ending cycle where it feels like to your point tanya like you had a thirty thousand dollar loan that you took out you ended up paying double that because of interest over time like how did you even get to the first steps to start repaying that well i you know i started repaying it once i had um more stable income <laughs> and mm -hmm. um and that's when I really started to like take a look at it and take it more seriously um, because I had the kind of the mental capacity to, right? Mm -hmm. um, but um, so that's how I started paying it off. But, you know, to be honest, I ended up paying it off with the original, you know, just paying it off normally. I didn't end up refinancing, which was something that I regretted because I could have saved so much money if I had refinanced at the time. Um, but I didn't end up doing that. And I just, you know, went on income-based repayment for a bit. And then, you know, once I had more budget to start paying it down, I was able to then, you know, pay it down more aggressively. But, um, but I also, you know, I want to, I want to share that, like, I don't think that student debt, having student debt, um, I'm hoping that it isn't as much of a, I don't want it to people to be afraid of student debt. 
Because mm-hmm. I see that, especially a lot of Latinos, they end up, or Latinas, they end up going to community college in order to save money so that they don't take out student loans and they and don't end up going to that four-year university because they're afraid of it, you know, mm-hmm. that, that additional cost. And so I don't, I don't want people to come away from this conversation being afraid of student debt. Like it's not, student debt can be a tool for you to, um, you know, be able to progress in your career, to invest in yourself. But I think it's really important to just be really kind of mindful of like, just just aware of like what it is, right? So, um, and especially if people are going to graduate school, like really think about, is it worth the cost to go to graduate school? And is it going to give you that extra bump? And for some people it is gonna give them that extra bump Mm -hmm. in pay and it is Mm -hmm. worth it. But for some people it might not be. Um, and you might just get stuck with student loans. So I think that, um, yeah, I, I wanna make sure that people come away with this, like seeing it as a tool and like just knowing that you can you can learn to manage it and it doesn't mm. have to be something that weighs you down. Right. And it's, it's, it's so unique, right? To everybody and their goals and their experiences and their environments, their background. Um, I'm just curious, you know, you, when you graduated, you graduated from UC San Diego, you had about $30,000 in student loan debt. Uh, But then you uh, paid another 30,000 in interest because of course, those numbers that we don't see those little, that fine print that we don't read sometimes. And then we sign and then we're just paying Sally Mae $67 a month. And it, it keeps adding on. When did you start learning? Like, when did you realize you're like, oh my gosh, this is the number that I'm at. Um, and did you feel like scared of that, of, of like repaying? Uh, can you, can you like kind of guide us through that process? So maybe like our listeners can also have an idea as to what they can do if they're in this position and they want to refinance, they want to look at their interest rate. They want to look at programs, uh, where, th- where these loans can be forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I was able to take some time off of work and that's when I really started taking a hard look at my finances and start really, you know, doing some financial planning for myself. And, um, and that's when I started doing a really deep dive on all of these financial concepts. And so, um, to give like an overview of like what your options are to pay off your student loans, you know, the bigger, the biggest options are, you know, you can pay it off normally with your existing lender or servicer, you can refinance it. And then you can also apply for um, forgiveness. So some of these like income-based programs after 20 years, you um, of making those income-based payments, the rest is forgiven. Um, so this is a new, that's something that's new in the, like over the last, you know, decades because like so far no one has actually finished the income base the 20 years oh <laughs> so my god we don't know yet, don't know yet <laughs> so who, crazy how many people are eligible right so it's, it's all very new um it wasn't a good option for me because um you know I would have ended up paying you know paying it off during the, you know before the 20 years so that wasn't really a good option for me but it is a good option for people that have a lot of student debt and you know are making a lower income it's a really good option um, there's also public service loan forgiveness. There's also career-based forgiveness programs, which I think is super interesting. Um, so I think it's really important just to do your research and see what, what forgiveness options are there. Cause the best case scenario is not paying, right? Right. Um, of course. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, from there, if you have private loans, I think it's really important to look at your refinancing options. Like that's a no brainer. 
If you have a private loan, you should total, you should definitely refinance. If you have a federal loan, you should really think twice about refinancing and make sure it's, you know, you're weighing the pros and cons because you lose all your federal benefits. Um, and, and then you also, you know, there's a lot of talk about forgiveness. And um, I think it's, you know, what we're expecting is that there is going to be some sort of forgiveness. It's probably going to be around 10,000 is like what people are speculating, but it could be higher if, you know, people put a lot of pressure on these, polit um, you know, politicians right. to actually push something higher through. Yeah. Um, so th that's how I started like really looking at my student loans, looking at, okay, what are the, all of the available options to pay it down and, mm -hmm. and what do I want to do? Um, at that point, my, my loans were low enough for me to just, it wasn't worth it for me to refinance or do anything else. I ended up just paying the rest of it. Um, but, you know, I also think that I wanted to highlight one thing that comes up a lot in our community is that sometimes people are so focused on getting their student loans paid off that they, you know, end up paying that off before their credit card debt. So I think it's super important mm. for people to pay off, be, you know, take a look at your finances like as a whole and make sure that you're paying off your credit card debt first if it's higher interest and then, you know, start looking at your student loans. Um, you know, don't pay off your student loans just because you want to, you know, get rid of them or you hate Sally Mae, <laughs> because sometimes you might be paying more interest in, with like credit card debt or any other sort of debt that, you know, it has higher interest. Right. You know, you talked about um, loan forgiveness, which I think is definitely a buzz phrase that we keep hearing about, especially since Biden came into office. And I am really curious if you could explain that to us because it started out with, okay, like complete loan forgiveness, like wipe everybody's slate clean. And then they think it went from to 50K and now it's at 10K. So, you know, if we look at it, about 92% of student loans are owned by the U.S. Department of Education, which is, equals about $1.54 trillion. So when we say student loan forgiveness, are we talking about those loans being forgiven or even private loans as well? So, you know, back during the presidential debates, there were some, you know, Bernie, I think, mentioned wanting to include private loans. I think that in the recent conversations with the Biden administration, that hasn't really come up. It's really, you know, federal loans that would get forgiven. Um, and yeah, it's total. It's been a journey. I mean, honestly, like the pandemic and the elections, it's all been a lot of ups and downs when it comes to student loans. Um, and but currently, um, to break down the the forgiveness conversation, so Biden came into office. He was always campaigning around this ten thousand dollar forgiveness number, and um, Warren and Schumer put out a bill to um, pressure, you know, to um, propose 50,000 in forgiveness by executive mm -hmm. order. And, you know, Biden recently has said kind of flat out that he does not want to do it by executive order. And he is not, he's more focused on the 10,000 number. Um, and I think that right now, um, you know, there's been a lot of, especially with the new stimulus bill, um, AOC, um, highlighted how there's a small Easter egg where um, student loans, um, you won't get taxed on any loans that are forgiven, student loans that are mm. forgiven, um, which currently applies to, you know, the income-based repayment programs, but really paves the path for, you know, 
forgiveness for like larger forgiveness. Um, and so I think that right now the hope is that if we put more pressure, um, it's possible that we get more than 10,000, but mm -hmm. I think that, I think that it's safe to say that we'll get, you know, at least some forgiveness based off of all of this work that's come into this. And, you know, Biden has been pretty steadfast in, in support of the 10,000 at least. So, um, so hopefully to summarize, I think that we're going to get at, I th we're predicting that we'll have at least 10,000, um, in student loans forgiven that are federal. And, um, hopefully if we can put more pressure on, on politicians, we can get more. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of confusion too with like loan forgiveness because of the idea of like loan cancellation as well. Um, mm. Like these two terms, these, these two ideas that even like students have been pushing on social media and, and, and not just students, but people who are, you know, and heavy student, student debt. Um, what do we mean by that? Uh, if you can explain to us also, Tanya. And, and I'm just curious as to like, out of who, because, you know, let's say someone is, has been paying student loans for the past 10 years and they only have $1,000 left and someone who just graduated and is in debt for 60000 right? Mm -hmm. So it, would, this, would this balance things out? Like who would benefit from this the most? How would this impact our community? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because that's a big, um, that's a big conversation on social where people are coming out saying that, you know, it's not fair that I had to pay all of my loans back when people are taters. other people like, will be, just, yeah. They like, get the fuck out of here. That's all I got to say to you. Okay. It's not, it's not, if I'm angry, you got to breathe cleaner air 20, 30 years ago, but you don't see me like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I didn't have to say like, that. Even if you, yeah, even if you say, yeah, I yeah, that's exactly our stance too. It's like, well, that's the energy. I know just because I had to suffer doesn't mean I want other people to suffer. Right. Like, okay, I didn't have polio, so, like, <laughs> it's like women's right to vote, like, oh, because I couldn't vote, I don't want you to vote either. It's like, it's, that doesn't make sense. It's so as, as backwards, yes. Ah, anywho, go ahead. <laughs> That's exactly our stance, too. It's like, you know, we think that whatever will progress the economy, like, we know that forgiving student loans is going to be good for the economy. People are going to be able to afford to buy homes again. People are going to be mm -hmm. able to spend, you know, at restaurants and at, um, they'll be able to start businesses. And so I think it's going to relieve a lot of burden for people. Um, I think that the reason I think that people uh, that Biden, one of the arguments around like the 10,000 number is that it's going to help the people that need it the most and the people mm. that you know, are in default, um, which I think that makes sense, but it's still, um, I think it would still help the economy quite a bit if we were to forgive the 50,000 um, and um, and just make it easier for people to to make progress. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, because to your point, like if 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 no one's worried about that looming, let's say 50K plus interest, then that is like, OK, I can start to plan and I can consider buying a house right? Or I can consider opening up that restaurant that I've always wanted to open up. So it is, it like, they're all connected. And it is, it is very frustrating to hear that, like, people can't see this bigger picture and also are just, there's a short-sighted approach of like, this doesn't just mean 
people today, right? There's like an implication for the future and for like your kids, maybe when they graduate in like 15, 20 years or whatever that may look like. Um, you've said like that a lot of this movement is happening because there's pressure being put on politicians. Mm-hmm. What are ways that we can continue to put that pressure on so that we can advocate for change? Yeah, I think that um, there's some, and I can send it to you afterwards. There's some resources mm-hmm. that I think are really helpful. I need to, I don't have the exact link with me right now, but there's some like ways that you, easy ways that you can text your politicians to mm. ask for student loan forgiveness. Um, so I'll follow up with some of that, but I think that contacting your you know, representatives, tweeting at them, like reaching out and supporting some of these organizations that are um, student loan advocates, um, I think are some ways that you can start to get involved. Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, you know, I, I love that, you know, when, when Jess mentioned about just like the, the situation, I'm like, hey, listen, I have like $500 left on my student loans and and someone else who's just, I have a friend who's who's always reminding me that she's like $60,000 in debt still. And she has two kids. She's always thinking about the idea that she's never going to be able to buy a home for her kids, right? Because she has $60,000 in debt for, for her student loans. She's just, she doesn't really even care as much anymore to this point because she's just paying the minimum. And, you know, in talking with her, she's, she's always mentioned the idea that like even student loan forgiveness and in like student loan cancellation, um, you know, the, how, how, how it's going to, how are we going to target Right. And how are we going to talk about this uh, with more Latino students, uh, Latinx students in college and that are with college debt? Right. Like, how do we how are we able to have these conversations with them? Like just even kids in high school right now, like, hey, you know, still make it to, to high school, to mm-hmm. some college um, and don't worry about this money, even though we might not we might just have those ten thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that, you know, just in general, student loan, the student loan industry is just, it gives you so much like uncertainty, which Mm. creates a lot of anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So even the COVID relief that we got over the last year, it was changed four times. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. like, we had no idea when it was coming, right? And it was always this like anxiety of like, is it going to happen this month? Is it going to, is this going to, is it going to be extended? And I think that um, the same thing is happening with the, you know, student loan cancellation or forgiveness, where we're not sure, right? Is it going to be 10,000? Is it going to be 50,000? They're always leaving us in this kind of like uncertain place, which causes a lot of anxiety. And I think that's, you know, why student debt in general can feel like more uncertain, right? Because you just don't know. And yeah, and overwhelming because you just like don't know what's going to happen and how things are going to change. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think it's important to have that conversation early. There's a lot of great um, like like, um, nonprofit organizations that are focused on like starting financial literacy early. And I think that's something that's new. Um, And I think that's something we're we're 100% in support of. You know, just like everything else, and, and we obviously just talked about it, like money is political. Um, and student debt is obviously being very politicized at the moment. And it's also, um, it really is a woman's issue, right? We talk about like the intersectionality of, right. And so, okay, I'm getting major head nod vibes here. Okay. So 
Other than the fact that we earn less than everyone else, we make up more than half of college students, you know, and snowball wealth is particularly focused on helping women. Can you talk about the correlation between why this is such a women's issue and why your work is really focused on helping women as well? Yeah, so, you know, two thirds of student loans are owned by women. Um, mm. So the majority of student loans are, are owned by women, which, you know, makes it, uh, makes it a women's issue. And beyond, um, beyond just having the loans, I think that going back to delaying, um, you know, life choices, it also delays the wealth building process. So mm. we talk about the income gap a lot, but, the the wealth gap is even worse so for example you know the income gap for latinas is 55 cents on for every one dollar that a white man earns for in the wealth gap um it's for women it's 32 cents on the dollar Oof. um for every um dollar that a, then you know that a white man has in wealth and so um and then also when it comes to home ownership um, which is one of the biggest pieces that, you know, student loans affect, I think that is, um, you know, especially for Latinos, only 46% of Latinos own a home compared to 73% of um, white families. And so I think that, um, you know, student loans in general are exasperating like the wealth gap when it comes to like the gender wealth gap, when it comes to the racial wealth gap, it just like creates all of these like larger societal issues that um, are even make it even harder and harder to dig, dig you out of. I'm like, it makes it always makes me so angry it, when you hear those types of numbers, like 32%, and that's women in general in terms of the wealth gap, right? You, you, I, I don't even, I'm afraid to know what that is for black and latina women like i'm just afraid i don't even a native women i don't even want to know although that knowledge is power obviously but it still is just like because it, it makes it like well how it makes it overwhelming it really makes it overwhelming and it makes it feel like well like fuck do we even have a fighting chance yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, that's why we really, that's one of the motivations for us starting Snowball. So Snowball, I started it with um, two other women. And, you know, we were really excited to build a space for women to be able to talk about finances, to learn about them. And so we also created a, a Slack community where people can connect um, and, you know, have events and happy hours and kind of commiserate over this and not <laughs> feel as lonely in like the debt, you know, in the debt journey, because I think that also personal finances can also feel, can feel overwhelming, especially if you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to. Um, yeah. And, and I think that, especially if you come from, you know, a first gen family where you're not necessarily having these like dinner table conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and we really want to create a space where we can, you know, speak freely and, um, and be able to ask those questions and support each other. Yeah. Um, no, it's so crazy. I feel, I feel like I've seen so I've been reading so much about it. Like you, you mentioned it, Tanya, about just like life choices and delaying things that we want to, that we want to achieve or do, or, you know, or, or accomplish because we have this kind of, uh, cloud, you know, yeah. with like money signs all over following us. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious as to like what you think 
what we need to do in terms of like um, the Latinx community and like how do we approach this subject and our families because I mm. remember talking to my dad about it and even when my my little brother went to UC Berkeley he had to get a he had to get a few loans and I was very adamant like no we're gonna help you pay I was already working and mm. and I was like my, my dad and I are both gonna help you pay so that you're not gonna get crazy amounts of loans but it was but my parents were just kind of not understanding and to some yeah. extent I was even embarrassed to tell them how much money I was, I owed because I knew they wanted, they were going to come and be like, we'll sell our house to, to help mm. you pay, you know, we'll do whatever we can. Mm. Like, why didn't you tell us? So this idea of, you know, it continues to affect our communities. It continues yeah. to affect young kids who sometimes get discouraged to even go to college. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how do, what do we do? How, do, how can we change that, that approach when we talk about student debt and what we do with it once we, once we, once we're in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, debt has always been taboo, right, to talk about. Um, and I think that sometimes there's a lot of shame around the debt, too. I think that student debt particularly has been like, it's been more in the media, so it's a little bit easier to talk about. But, um, you know, I, I've been really inspired by like the community members in um, on Snowball. And there's been some cool ideas that came out of it that, um, I want to actually start adopting. So some people actually opened up, you know, a Roth IRA for their, you know, parents. Mm. Um, and you know, one person is starting a savings fund for their family, so that whenever their family asks them for money, they now have like a savings fund to, you know, support them. Um, but I, you know, I think that where the conversation can start is. Um, starting to talk to the people in your family that are younger, like Gen Z. I think that's the easiest place to start when it starts mm -hmm. when it comes to having these conversations, and then starting to like inch your way into chatting <laughs> with your your parents and um, you know other extended family because I think that even you know it's just a hard conversation when talking about retirement and trying to change you know people's like habits and mindsets on that when they're older, when they're much older is a little bit more challenging, but it's yeah. not impossible. Um, <laughs> so I think that like, I like the idea. That's why I really like the ideas of like, you know, starting to support them by creating, you know, a separate account for like your family, starting to like help them save for retirement by opening up a retirement account for them if they don't have it. Um, and I think a lot of millennials, you know, are having to not only pay for their student loans, but also have to think about their parents' retirement. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. All oh, stressful. For sure. For sure. Um, I don't think my parents had, my dad was always worried about his 401k and he was always like, oh, it's, it's only $10,000 now and it's only 20. And recently I opened a Roth IRA for him. I opened like another account totally. just by connecting his credit card. And it was something so foreign to him, right? He was like, yeah. oh, well, how much money do you have? And I'm like, oh, dad, I have this so much, you know, invested. And he's he was just like, oh, he was so worried. I was, you know, when we were growing up yeah. into like making ends meet that there was no option for him to to invest in anything, to like even think mm. about, about starting anything like this. And I think it was also that idea when you talk about shame, right? And like yeah. the, the them feeling a bit embarrassed that like they weren't able to help out more yeah. 
right? Yeah. Like my dad, That's always, exactly my dad always, yeah. my dad always, when he's like, he, he buys a lot of lotto tickets and he swears he's going to win the lotto. I really hope he does. He's like, the first thing I'm going to do is give you all the money to pay for your, pay all your student loans. And I'm like, oh, dad, you know, yeah. um, and because you're like, dad, you got to hurry up. I'm about to pay this shit off. <laughs> $500 left. Like that's okay. dale, dale. Um, please pay, pay uh, mega millions or whatever it is that he pay, plays. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that is such an, I mean, it's so interesting and it's so important, you know, because I don't think we talk about it enough. I don't think even like what Jess was mentioning about just Latinas and, you know, women of color in general that are affected by the, the pay gap that are affected by being, mm-hmm. I mean, if these numbers don't like alarm you in some way like we're at the bottom of these uh, of these of these lists like it's it's oh Mm -hmm. we we have 30 years or 40 years to catch up no we got way more we're never gonna fucking catch up but we will like come on come on yeah we gotta be we got we 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 gotta be 30 years on the planet 20 30 (laughs) years good i know i've been telling this to everybody i'm not gonna go there don't go there. Don't go there. I'm not going to go there. This is not the chat. No, I mean, that's exactly the like feeling that I have. And I was like, my next company is going to be about finance because I saw all of these statistics and, you know, my company before this was around manufacturing. So it was completely different. Um, and so I was just really excited to venture into something completely new. And that was just like, something that I just thought about all of the time and just stressed me out. Like, why are Latinas at the bottom of the pay gap? Why are we at mm-hmm. the bottom of the wealth gap? Why are women at, you know, why is the wealth gap so big um, right now for women? And um, yeah, but to, to be, take a little bit more of a positive take on it. Yes, please, um, Tanya. Yes, please. I do, like, some, like, some encouraging stats is like, we, you know, women are now 57% of college enrollment. So women are going to college hey. more, which is good. And, and also um, Latinos showed the largest um, undergraduate enrollment increase. Um, oh, nice. And so Latinos are going to college more, which I think is um, really, really encouraging. And so I think that, you know, as we start getting these degrees and as we start, you know, starting these businesses, Latinas, you know, lead in in starting businesses also, I think that as we start these businesses and as we can get them to scale, I think that we can start to make some change on that. But I didn't want to rely on, you know, policy changes or, you know, someone coming to save us. I was like, I, the the best thing for me to like relieve this like stress and anxiety was to start a company to help start this change and start, you know, creating content, creating communities around that. Um, but, um, but yeah, I totally had that same feeling of like, this is just alarming. This is urgent. (laughs) And, um, if we don't take action now, then, you know, who, how, who is going to, no one is going to, you know, give us money to like make this right. There isn't going to be you know, someone just giving us checks just to like fix the wealth gap or the pay gap. <laughs> I mean, that's the next we- thing we need to call up AOC about. Be like, muchacha, mira. <laughs> you know, Tanya, what I appreciate was that you, I, I mean, I feel like you did like the ultimate, like what I think of as like Latina spirit thing to do, right? Is that you saw a problem, it drove you crazy. And so like you created a space for it it to be helpful for other people. Like, it's kind of like, Yadel and I saw that there were other podcasts having conversations and we're like, well, where are the amazing, like, 
women of color, some men of color too, but mostly women of color. And like, why aren't we talking to them and plugging in with them about these topics that we know our, our community is like a force in. So I think that that's so inspirational. And I'm really curious about what does the community of Snowball look like? Like who are some of the women that go to your site and that um, look for your services? Um, yeah, so the majority, so we're actually, we make a big focus on creating an inclusive community. So um, the Slack community is women and non-binary more than, I don't keep, I don't keep track of ethnicity mm -hmm. or anything, but more than half are BIPOC, at least, <laughs> I would say maybe even 60% mm -hmm. um, and, or more. And, um, and, you know, it's a community of millennial women, millennial and Gen Z women that um, have debt, but are, you know, have ambitions to get out of debt and also want to start investing and start building wealth. And I think that's what brings us together is that, you know, we, we have this um, excitement towards building wealth and we want to be able to support each other in that journey. Yeah. Um, you know, there's like, I feel like in, in terms of giving our, our listeners just some tools, some guidance, um, you know, what, what, are, what are tools at, at students' disposal, at people who are paying their student debts right now? What are the options that they have? Is there, what's the advice that you can um, yeah. run them through? Yeah, so we, um, we have a tech platform where you can sync your accounts and then we give you an organized view of your loans. And then we also calculate how much you could save if you paid, you know, more on your debt now. Um, we also have for people that um, are interested in refinancing, we have free you know, student loan consultations around refinancing. Right now, I wanna caveat this, that like, right now we don't recommend refinancing if you have a federal debt. Um, we are recommending that you refinance if you have you know, private loans mm -hmm. um, because we're waiting to see what happens with the forgiveness. And we're also, you, know, you have COVID relief. And so you have 0% interest for a few more months. So we're encouraging people to take advantage of that. Um, and yeah, so we're coming out with a few more tools later this year um, around other tools to help you pay off debt and start investing and saving. So we're really excited about that. That's what we've been spending a lot of our time on um, while the student loan pause is in effect. We're like, okay, how can we get, how can we create tools to help people make even more money moves, like get out of credit card debt, start saving and start investing. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be coming out with those over the next few weeks. Yeah, so um, we're excited about that. In the meantime, they can join the community and they can also still sign up and, you know, organize their loans and then also get some tips and resources on the site too. So right now, is this site mostly for student loans specifically or are there other resources um, separate from like loans and debt? So right now we um, are focused on student loans and we have some resources. So the tech platform student loans and we have other resources like budget templates. We have like a buying a home course. Um, we have a financial foundations course that's actually made for Latinx. So I can um, send you that link after. Um, and yeah, so those are some of the resources. So we've come up with some courses and some templates um, in addition to the student loan plan that you can get for free. That's so awesome. The one question that we have to ask you um, is, we know you talk about money all day, every day, but how do you take care of your soul, yourself, your mental, all of it? So I go running with my dog a lot. So I go, like when I'm stressed out, 
my new kind of mental health hack is that I just run until I can't anymore. So sometimes it's like five miles, sometimes that's more. And so that that way, that's the only pain that I'm feeling is like the running pain and I can forget about my other problems. Um, so I do a lot of running and then I also, um, I'm big on affirmations. I know this is cheesy, but I, I use an affirmations app. Um, <laughs> I use an affirmations app um, and I record some affirmations um, for myself whenever I'm you know, feeling stressed or you know, having a moment. Um, I, I listen to those and those have been really, really helpful for me. Um, but yeah, that's how I tend to de-stress. And then you might see this in the background too. I love plants. So. <laughs> Beautiful plants. Um, but and you know they what? look like they're I'm flourishing. Not... Oh, thank you. Um, I, I'm also, you know, sometimes I like some creature comforts of like, I'll have a bag of hot Cheetos and, um, and like watch 90 Day Fiance. And that sometimes like is the best reboot too. So does it, it doesn't yeah. always have to be, it doesn't <laughs> always have to be things that, you know, you know, green juice and running, which is, I'm all about also, but sometimes it's okay. <laughs> to have Amen, sister. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, Tanya. Uh, we hope that you continue to take care of yourself. Thank you for all that you're doing for the community, for teaching us, guiding us, helping us. And like Jess said, we're going to have to bring you back, girl, to like talk about, uh, you know, business and, and like and money on another scale for, for all our listeners. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we were super happy to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much to Tanya. She was amazing. We love her work, love everything she's doing. And check her out. Check out Snowball. They have really cool also um, things that they share and memes and information, infographics on their Instagram. We'll be sharing all that as well. I mean, I'm curious because you said that you used the resource. Right, right. So how was that for you what was that experience it was like? great I mean I I was putting con I, I saw I think I was connected through someone on like social and then they were like yeah we can help you see what it is that you because honestly mind you I've I'm an I'm an older I'm I'm an older woman I just didn't graduate from college right it's been a few years now and I I didn't really even manage to do any research in terms of like my federal my private loans like any of that it was just me putting money a lot of money a month mm. to like my student loans. And I had just like a, a conversation with someone with from her team and they looked at all my, at all my loans. They recommended re, like putting some loans together. They did, you know, this is, this one has the interest this high. We recommend you doing this. We can consolidate this one. And it was just like, it was like eye opening for me. Right. Because I, I cannot wow. even, I cannot even, I, I wasn't even aware of the interest that was on some of these loans. So even noting, mm. seeing those numbers being like 7%, like, oh my God, that's what I've been paying off all this time. So it was a really easy kind of way of connecting with someone, an actual person and not like, uh, you know, and, and then them working their database and it was free. Like the consultation with them was free. 
Um, and then them, they provided all this other information for like how it is that I, how, how could I make a plan to repay these, uh, these loans, you know, as fast as I, as fast as I could. And what were my options if there was any forgiveness programs, which I didn't qualify for, or, or any other programs that were in the state of California or based on like my career, um, there wasn't anything, of course, which I'm totally fine with because thankfully I'm, I've been blessed with a job that has been able to provide, you know, for me to, to be almost done with paying my student loans. So it's going to be a celebration when I'm done. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be a celebration. Yes. <laughs> but, Popping bottles on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a very, it was very, awesome. it was very, it was great. It was a great experience. It was, it was very informative and helpful for sure. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, I'm definitely looking forward to the additional resources um, yes. that they're, that they're going to be rolling out soon. So we'll keep an eye on that. And like, you know, just based off of Yadel's experience, like if you're someone who's like, okay, I need to get this shit under control, like definitely check out um, Snowball. Ask Snowball on Instagram and I believe asksnowball.com. That's so right. Check them out. And thank you again, Tanya, for all of your info. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode. As always, you can follow us at Wait Holds Up Pod. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. And listen and subscribe. Subscribe. Bah, 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 rate bah. and review. Rate and review. And follow us on Spotify. Um, wherever else you listen to your podcast. We just love that y'all are connecting with us and we appreciate you so, so much. Until next time. Bye. Wait,